sweetheart. Be reasonable. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hoffy Coffee Cast where we talk all things film, TV, video games, conspiracy theories and much more. Of course, I'm your host, Reese Bolton. And I'm your host, Reese Jones. And you can find us on Instagram at uh, Hoffy Coffee Cast and our personal accounts, instagram.com slash bolts97. That's for me and for my friend Reese Jones at instagram.com slash Reese Jones. You can follow our link at Linktree slash the Hoffy Coffee Cast, where you find all the platforms we are on and further information. We are on Spotify. We are on, on uh, podcasts like um, platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Amazon Music, etc. So today we'll be talking about um, the well, f- the another infamous, famous, not infamous cyberpunk uh, film, Total Recall based on another Philip Dick K. Dick novel. Of course, we did uh, Philip K. Dick's novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Now we're looking at his one of his short stories, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which uh, obviously was adapted into the film Toe Recall, came out in 1990, directed by Paul Van Heven, who, of course, directed Robocop, Star Trek Troopers, Showgirls, Hollow Man, and Basic Instinct. And uh, start and it's a star with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rachel Tickton, uh, Sharon Stone, Ronnie Cox, Michael Ironside, Roy, Roy Brocksmith, Mel Johnson Jr., and Marcella Bell. So, what do you think? Um, before we go into, uh, well, I, I I actually haven't watched this film. I, I watched this film first time for this. Um, podcast episodes because I, I remember watching I watched the the remake of it yeah and I wasn't impressed but watching the the original one I can see why the remake didn't do well <laughs> yeah it was um I mean they totally changed like the setting right it's like the whole like Mars like plot doesn't like appear at all like no it's, 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 it's like the the world is devastated and the only thing left habitable is britain and australia <laughs> yeah yeah it and watching this film it's a satire definitely it's a, it's a satire film and it's a satire would you say on um what do you say on satire like technology like um cook, uh, like mega corporations yeah, would you say yeah. that like um corporatism um commercialism you know sort of like consumerism a bit you know yeah like yeah um uh you know the whole sort of like you you work and you you want to like work for the wage and then uh, you know as a result you can sort of buy whatever you want and in this you know and and, um a bit in philip k dick's story we can remember for you wholesale it's like you know you can buy memories not necessarily relive your own memories but to, you know, to, to even now, like implant memories which aren't even yours, you know, as 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 a as a product, it it's like things in reality which you'd think 
are your own um, subjective, you know, personal experiences are no longer such. Like it's like you can buy, um, you you know, you can buy them. Like how like how perverse is that? I I think it is like a parody of um, how like this. I don't um yeah like just like a corporate sort of world can, essentially you can just buy anything yeah yeah I, yeah it's like I, I don't I mean, know like, I think it's well re- uh, well written I think I, like I mean it. like Paul Van Van Heven he directed uh, 1987's Robocop which was another satire film about uh, you know but basically about policing in America yeah about the use of uh, robots in um, the services and all that. So, um, but obviously this film is definitely like cyberpunk and definitely like, I mean, Judge Dredd last episode was a bit more like um, diesel punk, but this one is definitely more cyberpunk, but it's not dystopian. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's a very dystopian film because yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's because the plot of the film isn't focusing on dystopia. It's focusing more on, like, colonization and, like... I mean, this world is not... The world in Total Recall is not a utopian either. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a far it's so, from utopia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's more focusing on, like, colonization and uh, human expansion. I mean, we occupy Mars. Yeah. Which, which what, what's this film set in? 2084? Which... Um... Yeah, yeah. Which way we're going right now is probably going to happen. Hmm. But this is more. This is a film that does not look at like social commentary or social issues. Instead, looks at like technological issues. Yeah, especially the idea of like um, you know, like dreams, uh, memories, and all that. And well, you know, I, I. When I watched this film, I got such the the plot gives me like it's like a Bond film. I don't know if you agree with me. Yeah. But yeah. I like the idea that like um of course we're talking spoilers for Total Recall. Um the it feels like a it's like a plot of like one of those uh, like the um previous Bond films where the idea is like yeah, it, get rid of the idea of like memories being wiped. Yeah. And this focus after when he finds he gets his memories back and he realizes that he's like a secret he's a secret service agent, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he got the Bond girl, uh Sharon Stone, who plays um Douglas Quaid's wife, who t- the first Bond girl turns out to be a um a villain. And then he later comes on a another girl that becomes the love interest of Douglas Quaid, while he's also pursued by a henchman. Who it um, played by Michael Ironside Richer, who is uh, Sharon Stone's Laurie Quay, Laurie, that's her name, um, boyfriend. And he's obviously in charge of him is this uh, mega corporation CEO, um, uh, Vilos Cohagen, who's got this real evil plan. So it feels like a film set, you know, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a very similar, like, James Bond thing. And that could be a satire itself. Yeah, like I, th- I think, um, yeah, it, it's very much like it's subject to the tropes of you know like the espionage genre. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. that's like it's very, um, it's not on the nose, but it's rather it's very self-aware of that. It, it, you know, because I think it's meant to be like this idea that you, as the audience member, uh, you're meant to question whether or not um, Quaid is 
um, experiencing this or whether he is in the dream. You know? Yeah, because that's one of the big that's one of the big questions, isn't it? When yeah, it comes into yeah. film, because because uh, in recall, like he chooses to have like you know like the sort of the secret agent sort of fantasy, and and it is right, like all these different tropes come in, you know, like this all sort of like you know, um, you know, you're like the amazing, uh, you know, and physically demanding sort of secret agent, and they sort of like these bombshell women like surrounding. Uh, you know surrounding you there's like the evil um boss is henchman you know like there's (laughs) who can you trust where can you turn you know and it's like you you run away from explosions and in the end you win and it's it's playing on those threads you know and and i i think it's not to do with the story but everything's quite bright like you know the clothes and stuff and the set design but i think that's just um a symptom of just being in the early 90s yeah yeah you know like everything's very um day glow and and pastel color which yeah it, it's quite dated now looking back but it, i don't know it, it's quite it's quaint isn't it you know and, and um i i gotta say like i like the sort of like the visual effects in this movie it's um it's really like uh i think it got nominated for academy war for really? best visual effects no he won it won the kind of best visual wow. effects. It got nominated for best sound, hmm. best sound effects and editing. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is around about the age where like effects. Um, uh, yeah. So it's this, this dreamless age of Hollywood's digital revolution. Yeah. So this is around about the end of like old school analog special effects. Yeah. And going more into like high level photo yeah. real, uh, detail yeah. effects. Because, I gotta say, like, I like how they integrate a lot of. It, it, it reminds me a lot of the thing where, like, it integrates all the different tricks of the trade back in the day yeah. of, um, of practical effects. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I noticed some matte paintings, um, some, uh, like, miniatures. You know, you know, like, these sort of, like, I, I don't believe there was any sort of, like, stop motion, but they, there was a lot of, like, this sort of, like, um, prosthetic uh, makeup as well. Which was really, it was done really well, you know, like the whole, um, the uh, the disguise sort of part. That was awesome. Like, yeah, it, yeah I that think was, that uh... is like it's held up as this sort of like, um, uh, iconic like examples of practical effects. It's really cool. <laughs> like, or even like um, the three-breasted woman, which like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a, like jokingly seen as like you know. Representation on Total Recall as a whole, yeah. Because you're like, I'm thinking, oh, mention Total Recall, yeah. You're gonna think of Free Breasted Woman, yeah. The Free Breasted Woman, but that's like um, a great example of the, the effects in this film as well. Yeah, and I think it's a hallmark of Paul Verhoeven as well as the director, because yeah. yeah, he's he's very well known for directing like these movies. You know, as as you said, like um, uh, you know, so you got uh, Robocop, you got Starship Troopers. Uh, showgirls basic instinct like you know like it, it's very much like um ultra violent ultra sexualized but it, mm. it's um it's uh i'd say with some of his films more than others it, it's aged very well like you know like it's quite it's characteristic of his direction yeah you know yeah. like like the you see the violence at the beginning of robocop especially and it, and it's just I mean, obviously, we'll talk about Robocop again, but like the, the violence is just. It, if we look at Tarantino as as like the oh, that's like the most violent like movies we'll get nowadays. But like 
back then, like, I don't know, like, everything was, like, practical. So, like, the squibs and stuff they used is unreal. Absolutely unreal. But, like, I think what what, what makes this movie stand out for me is how it, it keeps the, the mystique alive throughout. Like, throughout, you are you're wondering whether or not Quaid is um is living a fantasy. Yeah. And what I did I, I didn't rewatch the remake. I just remember this one part of the remake I absolutely hated where um so uh, when a quick like rundown of the remake. When he goes to recall I'm not sure if it's called recall in the remake. Yeah um, it's called they recall. stamp they stamp his hand and that's like sort of like oh you know We'll stamp your hand to show that you've been your whatever, right? And he goes through the machine and the the film happens. And right at the end, when he's sort of like he's with the girl and like, you know, he's what he's saved the day, he looks down in his hand and his hand's still got the stamp. And you think, oh shit, he's in a simulation. It, ru- it ruins it. Because then yeah, you're, you're for yeah. you, you, it. It reminds me of like, uh, the director's cut of Blade Runner, right? Where you think, oh, so so he's he's a replicant then. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, sorry, sorry, not the director's cut, the final cut. But the final cut. Yeah, like you, you you look at his hand, right, and you th- and you see, oh, right. So none none of it happened. It, 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 do you know what? Do you know what it reminds me of? It, it, it's um, you tell someone a story, and then you go, you finish off the story by saying, and it was all a dream. Like how disappointing is that? But whereas yeah. in Total Recall, it, it's like it, it's subject to like the, the you know it, it's in the eye of the beholder. You you could draw a completely different conclusion to the film than I can, and that's what's good about it. That that is what makes this movie stand out as a piece of um. I I'd say it, it is dystopic because and cyberpunk in that. People's um people's experiences of reality are warped when they can choose their own reality. You know, like they they'd rather live a comfortable fantasy than face half uh, sorry than face hard truths or harsh realities. And that is where you can find a uh, obviously connection with Westworld as well. Um, yes, yeah. The idea that people will go to this park to well not just in Westworld, well obviously in the show we've seen like Samurai World, we've seen. Uh, war world. Yeah. Rome. Uh, was it? Was it Roman world? One point. Um, or, um, I believe I love... so. There was like yeah, in so... in the movie there was like a, a medieval world as well. Yeah, medieval world. Uh, but in terms of the, the TV show, I think it was samurai. It was Raj world. Yeah. It yeah. was war world, and then obviously it was West world. Yeah. And these were visitors could pay a lot of money to go to these places and reenact like their fantasy of yeah. what they could do. If they were set, if they lived in the West, yeah, and they could do whatever they want, yeah. and um, I, I think like people, I, I, I saw like some people complaining about Westworld season two, I believe, not because of the storytelling, that's a fault within itself, but due to uh, a caricature of um, feudal Japan, and I was thinking, but but Westworld in itself is a caricature of the West. Because yeah. people want this idyllic, uh, for lack of a better word, idyllic image of, uh, you know, a fantasy, right? So, yeah, um, you want to go to a theme park. A theme park, by design, is a caricature. 
you know, you know like uh, for an example, <laughs> I, I don't know, like you go, you say you, you, you choose to go to Westworld. You want to experience the full Western experience. Yeah. So that means sp- fighting yeah. uh, Native Americans, um, wearing um, Stetsons, riding horses, lassoing baddies, <laughs> uh, getting into bar <laughs> fights. Yeah, having a lot of sex or prostitutes. Yeah, you know, right. Like. You experience the full, the full spectrum. Yeah, and also a, um, a parody of that time period, right? So, what my point is finally <laughs> relating back to Total Recall, um, the, the the plot can seem quite cartoonish. Is like, uh, oh, it's a stereotypical spy film. Or like you know, it's a classical spy film with all the tropes because, in a way, he's living a fantasy of being a spy. Mm, yeah. So in this world, you want to experience like Westworld. You go there to live, you know, it's to 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 feel the thrill of being in that sort of world where you're the hero, you're the the hero of your own story, and like the girl falls for you, you save the day, you defeat the villain. You know, it's like you live the characteristic hero's journey, but without any of the struggle and hardship. So I think, yeah, it's it's <coughs> sorry. it's a be- sorry, man. It's a, it's a beautiful cyberpunk story in that you sort of want to reap all of the ro- uh, the rewards without sacrificing anything or without growing as a person. Yeah, and obviously, when you're watching this film, you don't. It's one of those films where you don't take it seriously because oh, God, the no. plot yeah. isn't seriously. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you got Ar- you got Arnie who literally is like we're supposed to be a secret agent, but he, he literally walks <laughs> yeah. away unscathed. Like yeah. he's able to take down these guys. He, I, I like watching this film. I don't see. I don't worry for him. Cause I know he's going to get <laughs> yeah. out of it. Now I don't know where this is like. Also, like. You know, like the eighties action hero, like it's continuing that where um, the eighties action hero always gets like in, into like a situation yeah, where able to get out of it, yeah. and like you know, you know he's not going to die, yeah. but yeah, you, you know he's going to win. Do you know what this reminds me of? Like you've seen the new Jumanji films, right? Yeah. Well, do you know like the Rock's character in that? I don't yeah. like the Rock acting. I think he's one note. I think he's you know he, he's a um, He's not a he's not a bit actor. He's because a bit actor infers that he doesn't you know he's a tiny role. But he 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 can only play one role, and that's why he fits perfectly into Jumanji because he's he, that is his character. He's like yeah you know like the big buff sort of like comic looking character. Yeah yeah. And I think that's why Arnie was cast perfectly well for this role as as yeah. uh, as Quaid because <laughs> if he's meant to be playing you know like the the the, the satirical role of a, uh, a secret agent. He's meant to be this big buff guy who, <laughs> who is also meant to be a really good spy. And he also fulfills his mission. You think, but that's really stupid. It's like, that's it's like the, the point. It's like the, the buffest spy ever. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, right. It's like a James Bond literally yeah. was, uh, you know, was like, Oh, what, what did Arnie do? Um, oh no. If literally James Bond was in pump and iron. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you ever watch Pump and Iron, it's all about like um Arnie's uh role in um you know um weight training and all yeah. that and weight, mm. you know. I think that's why um I think Arnie wanted to do this. I think he chased the role, but I think he was perfectly cast because people know him as like the this the 
the ultimate 80s action hero and, and yeah, an I- action hero in general. So yeah, putting him in this role is perfect because it yeah. turns it on his head and it, and it turns that he's always been in roles which are, you know, they've never taken, he's never taken himself seriously. You know, the Terminator, um, Predator. Yeah. The, um, he was Dutch in the Predator, um, kindergarten cop, twins, well, well, you know. Which is the one where he, what was it? Like he, he swaps his consciousness with a baby, or does he turn into a baby? I I, I can't I can't. What is um, that film? It might be a look who's talking. It's but, a film but I think where... it's John Travolta. I'm not sure. No, I don't. Um, I look up quickly. Wow, um, wow. Um, <laughs> he, he does say that a lot. He's like, yeah. he's like, he's like, no, yeah. and it's just like obviously, if you make that's that's obviously one of the issues you ha- uh, I um had with. The, the obviously the remake is it try and makes it take it more serious. Yeah, but you yeah. can't really because the, the original film wasn't supposed to take itself seriously. Yeah, and this one is like, oh, you can like go into you know, you can go to simulation, you know, where you like this agent and stuff like that dreams, but it makes it really serious, and then it becomes like this, like a whole film becomes like a commentary on like uh, immigration you know government corruption you know like um colonization and stuff like that and like when so um what um what i was saying uh yeah so i just feel like uh it the, the total recall with common foul takes itself way too seriously yeah i i, I oh, by the way i did find out the film it was junior that's it so uh junior. i this came out after four years after total recall and right. it, um Arnie plays an Australian-American scientist who agrees to undergo a male pregnancy oh, from a new yeah. developed drug, Expectane. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know, like, the tone and the sort of overall look of Total Recall 2012 reminds me a lot of um, the rebooted Star Trek with J.J. Uh, Abrams? Like, yeah, even, even like, does. looking at the poster, but you're now right, it, it just seems like they want this very... Oh, like whereas the original was quite colorful and quite funny it, the total recall 2012 is like it's monochromatic it's like it's dull it's boring they cost colin farrell in the main role like colin farrell they put like brian cranston like hot off the heels of breaking bad in it i know he's still in breaking bad this oh yeah you, you know like, yeah this yeah. is like when he yeah. was big you know like like they cast him in godzilla because you because the only reason because he was big in Breaking Bad and they gave him a really shit role in uh, in Godzilla. Was yeah. a draw fan was a draw fan to watch mm. it. Like people to watch it. Yeah. This is and um it's like, like oh yeah, Dark Knight uh made it dark, so every film has to be dark, yeah, and made dark yeah. now. It's like, no, it yeah. doesn't. Like Like um so you know, like if 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 this, um, sorry, if the Total Recall 2012 was the only adaptation of the book, and it wasn't a remake of the Arnie one, do you think it would have had as bad reception as it would have received? You know, because it was obviously being compared to the uh, the original adaptation. Oh, because it was a remake. Is yeah. that why you thought? Um... Yeah, like they were just comparing it to the the uh, the older one. I think, but. I feel like 
you get these comparisons if the film is bad and and go a different. I know they went for a different route. They want to make a very contemporary look at more like social commentary. Like it feels like a very nineteen eighty four presence to it, hmm. and make it like more dystopian. But that is not what Total Recall is about. Like, and you don't need to. That's like having Blade Runner and making a Blade Runner reboot, but everything's very colourful and very silly. You get I me? Mean? Yeah. Which doesn't work. And really, if you want to make a remake of Total Recall, you just. Well, I would say you wouldn't really make it because it, you just make it funny again. Put yeah. some like you know, put bring back some of that humor and satire. Yeah. Because uh, the re- the remake is not a satire at all. Yeah. It's I, looking I, like oh, this yeah. looking at these social problems and stuff like that. Do you know um the soundtrack was uh was done with a, a Welsh electronica group called Hybrid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it still doesn't. You know, degrade from the fact that Total Recall 2012 is crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both can agree on that. Yeah. And like, I think many w- people, el- everyone else, can agree on that. How, how much would I have to like pay you to rewatch it and to like to write an essay on the themes of <laughs> of like, I don't know, like societal degradation in 20, um, in I, Total Recall? I, I only do good films, mate. So. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> but it's like. I, I thought it was stupid. I was like, oh, Britain and Australia. It's like, okay, why? Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> I've, I've you'd have like, I think it was it a show or was it a film? Logan's Run. Yeah, Logan's Run of came out in seventy three. Yeah. That, like, that's it, yeah. Total Recall nineteen ninety reminds me a lot of that. Like the look, it does. Like yeah. the um, the set design, like the 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 color palette, almost. It's it's, it's very, it's bright. You know, it's expressive, and. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Cyberpunk doesn't have to be like this really dark, depressing setting yeah, at all. Yeah, because obviously it looks like in Pro Recall, there's like people living on Mars are being like, you know, well, it's like this. I, I could say one of the themes could be discrimination because the mutants and all that. Yeah, yeah, and corp- like corporate, like mega corporations taking out, like controlling plants and stuff like that. Hmm. But but that's it, really. Like Arnie's pretty much got like this job that he's not happy with. You know, he's not like he's living like rough. He's not like it's you know he's got like a he's he's got Shan Stone's wife, yeah. And he's living in a really nice apartments and stuff like that. Everything looks very technological, advanced and stuff like yeah. that. I think like because I it, mean it, you got I mean sorry, you, you, you probably still got lost lot of stuff to do with terrorism and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. you know. I think, like, at the time, it wasn't unheard of for cyberpunk or just, you know, for sci-fi to be mega dark and mega dystopic. No, But I no. think you have to realise, like, in in this world, sort of, like, maybe Total Recall, the class that Quaid is from and, like, you know, like, his strata within society are the wealthy ones. So the, the whole look of where they live is going to reflect, um, you know, their... You know their affluence, their riches. You know they live in the most like desirable area, maybe, or they live on Mars, which is meant to be like the most desirable planet. I I don't know. Like it's meant to reflect this sort of um yeah, you know, like this dystopia that even even though that it's bright, you know, and everything's really like nice to look at, it's dystopic. So 
Vilos Cohagen is the governor. Yeah. I thought he was part of this corporation. Um, well, you could say it's kind of similar. But hmm. is he in charge of the agency? Now, uh, this is where the bit is like, is the agency just part of the dream or is it that's something real life? Like, this is obviously, I mean, I've got a great article here about um, by um, Cinema Blend. Right. And it's all about, um, it's all about the ending. It's like, oh, was it a dream the whole time? Yeah. And it goes through like pinpoints in the film where, um, about whether it could be a dream or reality. Now, I think it is a dream personally when it gets the blue skies over mars now oh, yeah i feel like I'm a bit like okay blue sky over mars and when arnie says oh it's blue sky over mars i feel a bit like okay that looks like something that's very not realistic something could happen in a dream yeah now i do feel like i just feel like for it being a dream it looks pretty easy like i feel like if this happened actually in real life it'd be a lot more harder like like I said earlier about Arnie, it looks like he's getting some of his situations, but he can easily get away with it. Yeah. Like, you know, do you get, do you get what I mean? Like, the yeah. villains, like, obviously, they're, they, they're not as, I don't find it as intimidating as, obviously, what they intend to be. Really. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean compared to Arnold, who who's intimidating to Arnold, isn't it? You know, it's like Michael Ironside. It's not really intimidating, <laughs> like. Well, you, you look at him in Starship Troopers, and he's intimidating there. With, yeah, with his yeah. Robotic arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're fighting. Yeah, yeah. You got these like these these people, like part of the agency, trying to like stop Arnie, but he's like so big, and and you know he's fighting like um like these guys and that he's just going through them and it's just like what's it it's a scene where um his his co-workers attack him outside outside his apartment yeah he just goes through them so easily like maybe that's maybe that's just more like the, the idea of the action hero like and he didn't you know but i was just like oh like a jack spy super spy where i can easily go down people like go down on people like Go down, people. Do you get what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. you know, go through. Like, I just didn't feel like I didn't feel like the villains were. That's a, is intimidating. It was like I, I didn't feel like Arnie's character Douglas Quaid was in much danger. Hmm. But that's just me. Yeah. I, you can disagree with me on that. M- but. Maybe that's uh, the film's. Maybe that's self-aware in that you know it's like oh we don't want to give like the hero of this uh, story a big challenge because in the at the end of the day it's his fantasy but alternatively it could be just a fault of the script or just like the screenplay maybe in that they didn't want a uh, a villain to overshadow the sort of you know like the presence of arnie yeah because Ar- arnold's reputation is that like he's this big action hero and he always like you know he gets the job done you know he's like the yeah well anything he's in you know he's like this um a juggernaut of an actor and a character on screen and in his personality and that we don't want to like uh, you know like, like michael ironside is like the the main sort of like uh henchman you know he's not like a big physically um imposing man compared to arnold you know no and um yeah you know you're ronnie cox's cohagen you know he's not like this i i don't know like he he just reminds me of like his character from robocop so he's not like that 
um, intimidating again. No, no, Arnold. he's yeah. like he's got he's a guy with the money, and he's got the money to pay the henchmen to do all the dirty work. Yeah, he's like one of those villains where like you don't need the main villain like is not as as intimidating, but yeah. then he has the money, yeah, and the power yeah. to to yeah. to have other yeah. people be intimidating for yeah. him. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I, I think. He, He's a perfect caricature of the sort of the corporate baddie. Yeah. You know, like, like I think the 80s and 90s did this really well. And they realized that we could make like this sort of sci-fi sort of um, story where the main characters are like this um, corporate villain turned up to 11. Yeah. Like uh, Tyrell was one example. And yeah. Blade yeah. Runner. Eldon Tyrell. Yeah. But I think also it's like, it might be, it must be in criticism for these corporations that are growing, the CEOs that are growing during the eighties and nineties, yeah. and the way that these these corporations and the leaders of these corporations are going to have more control over the people than governments will, and have more power over governments, hmm. yeah. And in the future, and maybe that's just like maybe that's like a like a, a criticism of that, really, yeah. I mean, what happened during the eighties? We had like what um, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Google came out in the, you know, um, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But um, it, it was this time when, it, obviously, it was still before the internet, uh, the advent of the internet. But it was this time when science fiction appeared to be reality. You know, like mm. people were starting to consider you know, robots and, and artificial sentience. Um, uh, you, you know, the sort of how in the future, as we are, like as flawed humans, how can we, um, how do we face the advent of highly technological, like advancements? And I think the these films are, are like almost like test tubes, you know, like experiments in how, our storytelling evolves when our, you know, our fantasy elements, you know, like say like, you know, the classical storytelling of the hero's journey is confronted with the cold calculating reality of a technological future. Yeah. It's, it's very clever. And I think, I think they went a bit overboard with some of the ideas in like the eighties and nineties, but I think it's, it's very fun to look at some of the more campy ideas. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you look at some of like the robots and and like the ideas of like what the future would look at. I uh, mean, sorry, what the future they thought would look uh, like. Robotic taxi drivers in, the, uh, in yeah. this film, which is like it's 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 funny because it's like robots, but they're like you could tell they're not like those these advanced robots. Which, yeah, and you could make you make yeah. they are like there for like yeah. taking the piss. And I think, like, you know, you look at Star Wars, like, Lucas wanted to create <laughs> these robots. One of them essentially was, like, a dustbin, and the other one was just, like, a humanoid robot. Like, if if we were so advanced, why would we create, like, robots that looked like that? But yeah. but that's the thing. They were, they were still restricted by, yeah, you know, like, like, like obviously now we're more... Because we're subjected to this stuff all the time, we're forced to expand our imagination even further. But back then, it was more—I don't know—maybe it was restricted with uh, budgetary stuff. But you know, like um, you know, drawing back a little bit to Arnold and and why he's he's like this 
overpowered character, you know, like nothing seems to defeat him. It just reminds me of like video game logic in that. uh, Yeah. You know, the memes where it's like, oh, when my custom character appears in cutscenes. Yeah. That just reminds me of that where it's like Arnold doesn't fit. And I think that's very, that's a conscious, conscious effort by the writers and by the director in that he's not meant to fit. Like you're meant to question whether or not like he does fit in this world. You know, like is he just like this real person living a fantasy or is he this dub, uh, this uh, sleeper agent who doesn't fit in this world? You know? Yeah. So either way he doesn't fit. And I think that's quite clever. Right. Uh, right. This is where like, I'll, I want to go through like some of the parts on the plot, some of the stuff yeah. in the plot. So, he goes to recall and he gets put into, obviously he pays for this um, procedure. Hmm. This like, you know, this, what would you say it's called? Like not procedure, but like a um, experience, that's it. Yeah. And, um, he, you know, before it looks like he's gone into his dream, um, they call, they get an emergency and they get the, um, what, was, what was the doctor's name again? In, um, is it? Uh, what was the doctor's name? Dotka. Doctor. Doctor. Egg. Egg. Oh, Egma. Edgema. Edgema. Yeah. yeah. And um, he cut. He he gets called to the emergency to come in and like, oh, this you know, he ble- He um, he is in a um. He's like, oh, he's in a dream. He's like, you know, he's like, obviously, Arnie's going out of control, and they're like, well, we haven't put him under the the, the dream simulation yet yeah. and he breaks you know he, he uh, you know see he gets like he leaves he gets uh, refunded goes home and then he tells his wife laurie and then we'll find out laurie is not is not his wife well it's been wife for like what like six weeks or something well for him it was like what 18 eight years it was eight years that's it it was eight yeah. eight years and she is working with this agency and Basically, uh, she was there to kind of like, um, what was it to like make sure Quaid doesn't find out about like, um, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's real self. Now, you find that eventually, then that he goes to meet, um, he goes to meet, uh, who, who was the character George, who was the um, the rebel fighter, the martial yeah. rebel fighter, and he was he was killed by uh, Benny. But then, apparently, then, it, it's supposed to be that, like, Douglas was, Quaid was supposed to bring the agency to the location of George to kill him. Yeah. And so he's instructed to do what he's supposed to do. Now, is that... Now, that's where, I'm, that's where it's like, oh, is this actually real, or is this, like, a dream? Yeah. And it's like, well, is he actual? Is he actually Carl? Or he's Quaid throughout the whole film, isn't he? But is he actually Quaid, or is he like Hauser? Now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, is is Hauser really the villain in this film? Because yeah. he's one like. Cause it, it's very confusing how it's because I, I, you know, it's like, like I mean, Quaid. Yeah, Quaid, yeah, yeah. That, that's I don't know. That's when I get mind blown, and it's like, well, this is this yeah. a dream, or this is like a yeah. reality? I, I I like to think that he is in a dream because <laughs> I I just think like 
you know, like, like all of his like unconscious biases are coming to the surface within the dream. Like his wife turns on him, his friends turn on him because like, you know, he's, he's, un, he feels unfulfilled yeah, and, and, and subconsciously he, he feels bitter towards them. Yeah. So they, they all turn on him because that's what he truly feels like they're, they're malevolent towards him or they're, they're antagonistic towards him. So they turn against him. The governor, which represents the authority, turns against him. So everybody turns against him. But he, you know, but he, but he defeats them because you know, it's his fantasy. And yeah. you know, I think the whole, do you know, like the alien artifact thing? I think that's, um, that's what sort of tips it towards it being a dream for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's very fantastical. You know, like, and that's that's my take on the film. I mean, it doesn't really matter. That's not a definitive answer. It's just my take. But and again, like you know, the, the blue sky on Mars, I think, is a bit of like a, a fairy tale ending. So it, it's like a, it's a nice ending to his fantasy, I think. But I'm thinking that if this was a dream, why is it has why has it got the same people that exist in the reality? Like his wife, like wouldn't you say it's a dream? Like, would you not have like if he's in a simulation where he where he's like wants to be a secret agent? Yeah, yeah. Why is it, why is why have they got the characters in this supposed dream the same people that is in reality? I think that's um, that's written because it's meant to make you question whether these people are meant to sort of like keep him in line, you know, because he's a sleeper agent and and whatnot, but. I, I I like the idea that um, he tur- his mind has already turned against them. You know, like he he's bitter towards them subconsciously. So in his mind, when they turn against him, it's not really them, but it's his own mind like lashing out against them because he's he's un- unhappy with his reality. So he's, he's See, turned yeah. his reality on his head because he wants to live this exciting fantasy. But yeah. in the in the simulation, the, like this idea of like, oh, um, you know, you can the, to recall basically you live in a simulation where you can play out your fantasy of being a secret agent, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I, I'm I'm quite like I I don't understand why would they bring in this if because this simulation looks like it's already prepared, isn't it? Or yeah, is the simulation coincide with his his dreams? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, because. If you want to live as a secret agent, be living. I, I would say like, oh, if you want to live like a fantasy, being a secret agent on Mars, hmm. they would put you on Mars, but you'd be dealing with like these other characters, not not the same people you you live with and know. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I, I think wouldn't, wouldn't the simulation be already like that? Like yeah, like prepared. the narrative will already be prepared yeah. or structured. You have a beginning, middle, end. Yeah, I uh, that's a good point actually. But yeah, I think. I, I think the idea of the fantasy is that it's, it's it, the the fact it's exciting is because it's unknown, and it's the fantasy is is curated to what your mind will 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 want. So, your if 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 you and me go to recall, and we both order the same fantasy, so we both want to. Um, I order the spy fantasy, and you order uh, the spy fantasy. When we when we're both in there our experiences would be different because our minds will treat it differently. Yeah. Because it's, it's subjective. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I, I don't think it's like, um, I understand what you're saying. Like you, you think it, it would be 
a written narrative like like what would happen in Westworld. I think it's more it's unwritten, but certain tropes are employed. So like the spy tropes, they're injected into the fantasy, but the the, the narrative will form itself around what your mind will want. Oh, right. Okay, you know? okay. I, I thought it was already... When they got the yeah, package, it was like, yeah. you could be like a spy in Mars. I thought there was already like a narrative in there. Yeah. And he can like... And he can live out a narrative. That's why I was like, oh, wait, this is actually reality because it'd be quite weird if, if this was already a really prepared narrative and have having played it. Why they got his, his mm, wife and, yeah. you know, his friends and stuff like that. And uh, come down to it, it's like Melina is like before he goes to recall to do a simulation. Um, would you call it a simulation, or do you reckon you'll call it something else? Um, like I, I'm calling it like a safe word simulation. Yeah, like it, yeah. It, it, it all depends whether you believe he's actually in the simulation. I, I think I think he's in the fantasy. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I wouldn't call it a simulation per se. I just call it a fantasy. I was using a safe word simulation because yeah. I couldn't think of yeah. what else to call it. I mean, it, technically, but... it is like a simulation yeah. is like um, a state of being which is it's not real, right? It, it's yeah, it's simulating reality, but it it is in fact artificial. Okay. I'm not. Right, I'm. Yeah. I'm not like a a, th- a philosopher, so I can't really describe. No. 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 <laughs> No, I mean, well, Westworld, you can tell is what is actually simulation. You can yeah. say the word simulation or Westworld, yeah. but for Total Recall, it's like, well, it's actually simulation. Now, uh, back to what I was going to say. Um, obviously, he has this dream where before and begin the film where he's walking on Mars and he's with what looks like, who's, who is Melina, played by uh, Rachel Ticotin. Is it Ticotin? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I said Ticotin. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then he obviously wakes up and he says, oh, I had this dream where, you know, I was um, over to Mars and I met this woman. And then he goes to Recall and they create like this, um, like, what was it, the, the, like the, the character of the lover for the spy. Yeah. Yeah. And he creates uh, what looks like, does he create her with what he sees in his dream or does he create her basically on his own personal kind of, interests like brunette and um oh what's it what's the other word athletic and all that now is he basing that on the woman in his dream or is he basing that on his own tastes um because it then it looks yeah. like it turns into her but then also when he's apparently could when the rest of the film he goes looking for he looks he's like he's gone looking for her and it's like well is he is he meant to go and find her, or is this kind of a coincidence that he comes over comes across a woman that's exactly like the woman in her dream? Yeah, um, I don't know. I th- I think like what you said is really good. And is he basing this woman on his tastes? Yeah, that's, his fantasy is feeding on his desires. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, but it's, yeah, yeah. That's what um that's what I'm thinking because like when he obviously when he goes to the um the brothel, obviously he goes to the brothel to meet this person. Well, does he know uh who Mil- he knows who Melina is before he goes to the brothel, or is he told to go meet Melina? I can't remember what happens. Does he? Um, some look. 
Um, I, can't, I can't remember if he meets him before. Let's check. Uh... Before. Oh no, he he, no, he gets directed um, to the, the Venus Villa. That's it. But yeah. he doesn't know. He doesn't notice. He doesn't know who Molina is before he sees her. Yeah, you know, maybe he just like he just sees someone, and he just bases this whole like idea that she's the one. You know, like that yeah, was her sight and yeah. all this stuff. And so it's kind of like for instance that she's yeah. part of the, she's part of the rebellion yeah. as well. Right. Okay. It's a lot to like thinking about with this film as well. Um, I mean, one of the things uh, what Cinema Blend did say was, is it actually a dream? What's the reality? Because there are scenes where Arnie isn't in it. Yeah. Which it feels a bit like, if it was a dream, then why are there scenes where, one of the scenes is where, uh, obviously, um, Cohagen is talking to R- Richard. Yeah. Now, why... If this was a dream, why is that scene in there? I know it's probably for plot as well, but wouldn't you like if you want to come about saying it's a dream, why why are those scenes in there? I mean, I think it's like three scenes where Arnie's not in it. Which makes me feel like also, wait, this could be reality because there are scenes in this film where Arnie isn't in them, which makes him more like realistic rather than in a dream. Because if you're doing it for a dream, you're looking at it for his point of view. Yeah. Like each scene will be through his point of view. Yeah. And majority of the scenes are through his point of view, which then you can think, oh, this could be a um this could be a dream because it's through yeah. Arnie's point of view. I mean but there's other scenes where it's not through his point yeah. of view. I mean that that's true, but there's um the you know, have we ever had like you know, have we ever like had a fantasy of your own where you're I don't know, like oh look look at it I like guess, right? A video game you're playing as the the protagonist but sometimes the story will cut to like say the villains or other characters which have no uh they're not in contact with your character but you still know the story so that's because the plot though that's why the scenes yeah, are there but, but that's what i mean like due to the fantasy element making it seem more of a more of a narrative than real life maybe even even though Quaid is not, or Hauser or Quaid or whatever, he's not experiencing those people or places. He's still experiencing them in his fantasy. So it's like he has no agency because he his will in this fantasy is subjected to the whole, you know, like the the, the classical hero story. Do you know what I mean? I, I know it's a bit of like tinfoil hat, but like I think it's it can still work because you know it's like you're following the one character, you, the protagonist, but then you still see the sort of like the villain, what 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 he's doing, or like these other characters. I don't think like a lot of people would, would agree with me, but I think it's still quite possible. I, I don't. I don't think the film was thinking about this. I think that was injected into the story to make you think, "Oh, this must be. Um, this must be real." I think obviously it needs like I. I think I need to be there. I'll be some plot holes. Yeah, yeah. But so you're basically saying that like, like in this dream seek in, in this dream, like obviously this this is like a dream. 
Arnie's having. He's creating those other scenes in his dream where he's not there. Yeah. But like when you have a usually have a dream, you don't like it's all from your point of view. Well, not always. You know, it's sometimes it's quite you're experiencing things which you're not even there. You know, it's quite abstract. But like if I usually my dreams usually it's like me there. Like it never goes to like a place where it's like a different yeah. cow to talk two different cows is talking. Hmm. Again, I think this is quite subjective. Yeah. Like, I mean I I could be like way wrong. I could I could meet the the writers of this film or director and they could look at me like, Don't be so stupid. No. But like I think it's still like a small possibility that that's what they were thinking. Here we go. Um this is what it says on the article. Uh, some scenes, the fact that some scenes in the movie take place without our main character, there aren't many scenes in the film that Arnold is not in, but there are a few. This would seem to support the idea that we watch it. What we watch is actually happening. The audience has been shown what other characters are up to, while our heroes dealing with other things. Certainly, these moments are not part of Douglas Quaid's memory implant. There's no reason that his memory would include anything he didn't witness. From the standpoint of implanted memory, nothing he didn't witness ever actually happened. And then it says, the only argument that can be made here is that these scenes were needed simply to make the movie work. Yeah. We need to see what the bad guys were doing in order for them to be complete characters. Still, one could argue that these moments can only exist if the story's actually happening. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can tell that these... They need this is made for the plot, but then it creates more questions than answers in it. And yeah. obviously, the big like question of this is like this film is: is it a dream or is it a reality? Yeah. Um. Hmm. Also, they they do go on and talk about the music as well. Yeah. Obviously, the music's um, composed by Jerry Goldsmith, and he's done. I would say he's one of the most probably most prominent composers of. 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s uh, Hollywood. Hmm. What you would say, because he's done a lot of Star Trek films, TV shows. Um, what else has he done? What else has he done? Yeah, he's done like, oh, he did, um, oh, what's the film? Uh, Chinatown as well. Did yeah. Chinatown Planet and Apes. Uh, Planet of the Apes, yeah. Logan's Run, Poltergeist, oh, Gremlins, <laughs> Logan's Run. Air Force <laughs> One, LA Confidential, Mulan, and The Mummy. And he did the, the, I think he did the Lost World Jurassic Park, as well, the second one, and he's done he's done the Rambo franchise as well. So yeah, he's he's yeah. really like, oh, yeah, Gremlins like, too. In, in the way like Hans Zimmer is today with more like, um, noughties and you know obviously the twenty tens, with yeah. with obviously as a big composer is. Jerry Goldsmith was, was the same here, like with John Williams as well. But John Williams has been like through like pretty much every big decade in Hollywood from like the seventies to today. Like he's still quite big, and I think that's many. He doesn't do as many um, scores as he used, as he did back in the past. Yeah, but like obviously, Jerry Goldsmith is one of the few that was quite prominent during the Hollywood of seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, but sorry, back to what I was uh, saying. So uh, apparently, they say the music is quite 
important, significant for whether this is like a dream or reality. There's a, they say there's a particular musical cue that is in the film specifically to indicate the recall organisation. It can be heard at the very end of the film's credits before the fanfare final. The same music cue is used in the movie at a couple of key points. The first is when Quaid visits the recall facility. And it's not heard, heard again until a point on Mars where a man shows up at Quaid's hotel room telling him he's a doctor from Recall. We see the same man earlier in the film doing commercials for the company. The doctor tells Quaid that Quaid has some sort of break from reality and the company cannot wake him up from the memory implant. Therefore, they added the doctor to the memory to try and talk him out. When that doesn't work, they bring Sharon Stone back as his wife to try and talk him out, claiming that any memory he has of her trying to kill him was just part of the implant. Uh, the digital music cues hit as soon as Arnie opens the door and sees Stone. The movie is trying to tell us that Rico is reaching out and trying to end the fantasy. The fact that the same music is heard at the end of the movie when the credits are over is also indicative of the fact that the memory, the movie, is now over and it's time to wake up. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. So, so would you say that Cohagen... Well, would you say that then recall is against Arnie? If if it's like a reality, they're trying to wake him up. Yeah. Does that mean that they're working with Cohagen and the agency? I, because you um, know, but also like, um, so he appears. This doctor, um, he appears and basically tries to talk talk to Quaid and says, "Oh, you're in a dream. You need to wake up." And then he realizes he's not. When he sees sweat, you know, and then and then he realizes that it's not a dream because why would you why would you be sweating in the dream? But, it, yeah. but then they bring they bring in his wife, and she looks like she is just. It looks like she is implanted into his dream, as a way of talking him out of it because she looks like. She's fine. She you know she doesn't. She looks like she's like a, a similar self. But obviously, you know this could be an act. But then also he raises the question whether is is he actually in a dream and he's gone too far. And he needs to be drawn out. Well, woken up. Yeah, there's um, I I don't know like because it is meant to be this sort of like maybe maybe it's like meant to dig into the who like um. Cold War paranoia of where the, you know, like the Red Scare and stuff, and how spies, by necessity, create this uncertainty, like this this atmosphere of like the unknown. You know, like, espionage right. is meant to be like, um, yeah, you know, like like you're lying as a job, so you're meant to sort of, oh, uh, yeah, not know the truth, yeah. Yeah, and the idea of like obviously him, his wife could be the enemy, but could not be. Yeah, it's like it's playing with the mindset. Oh, my wife could be a communist or hmm. socialist, yeah, but like yeah. she you might know, not be. It, it was that paranoia of the time that anybody could yeah. be a communist. I I think there was like famous like TV programs and and advertisements in America saying that like anybody could be a red. Anybody could be a well, commie. What's you know? that? What's that film Robert Zemeckis made? It wasn't it called like Allied, 
And it was Brad Pitt um, and Marion Cotillard. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They were a couple. They met, oh, what was it? They met in like Casablanca in Morocco, I think. Yeah. And um, they did get married. But then it comes under the idea that, like, I think, like, she is an enemy spy. Yeah. But then you don't know. I don't think the, the film wasn't that good because it, it, it yeah. did not go it didn't explore the bigger the that idea yeah. that concept was it was it more of like the who like melodrama and like the the um romantic elements but but it was like set during that time like it didn't it didn't expand on the whole um the red scare and like the fear of communism it's set in world war Two. here we go it um yeah here we go uh yeah, so they oh they obviously Brad Pitt plays a Canadian tenants officer and uh Cotillard plays a French resistance fighter who fall in love while posing as a couple during the mission in Casablanca. And um basically what does it say? I haven't watched this film, but I know about uh Yeah. Yeah, so in nineteen forty three, Max learns that Marianne is suspected that's played by Marion Cotillard, is suspected of being a German spy having adopted her identity after the real Marianne was killed in France and that ah. the German ambassador assassinated a distant Hitler was a dissident Hitler wanted dead. So the idea was like, oh, my wife could be a spy or she might not be. Like, has the agent, has like the secret intelligence services got this wrong? Like, but, you know, that's like a power that we could say that like, oh, it's my wife, it's, it's uh, Laurie Quaid my wife, like, on his wife, the enemy, or is she the, um, or is she my wife? It's, it's strange, isn't it? And, um, oh, this was one about a time where Sharon Stone was like, she, oh no, she wasn't a sex symbol yet. She was, she was a big sex symbol in the 90s because she was in Basic Instinct. I think it was like the specialist as well. Um, was she in Showgirls? No, I don't think she can show oh, right. no. But she was like a sex symbol band this time. Same way as like um obviously Marilyn Monroe was in the sixties hmm. and the fifties. I I was just like um I was just like thinking that I think this was drawn about a time where she wasn't that big, but then this film made her big and then basic instincts further made her bigger. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Um anyway, so Another thing we could talk about really is the um, the blue sky scene. So, in the end, however, there's one overwhelming argument for the idea that total recall is almost entirely a dream. When Douglas Quaid's getting prepped for his implant, one of the technicians makes a remark about the memory, including something a little odd. There's that's a new one, blue sky on Mars, which is what he says at the end of the film. Oh. It's easy enough line to miss because it's the other tech in the foreground. Oh wait, no. Oh, it's, oh, no, it's, it's said. Um, he says it at the end of the film, but then one of the tech people also says it uh, in the facility scene. Uh, oh, the right. other tech in the foreground, who is working directly with Arnie's character, not really supposed to hear the comment. However, lo and behold, when the movie ends, a blue sky on Mars is exactly what we end up with. To believe this is a coincidence is pure lunacy. The information about the alien tech that creates a blue sky isn't public knowledge. So there's no reason for recall to include it. The only way that the movie can end with a blue sky is if it's a dream. 
The Blue Sky thing was created by Rico. The fact that we see one means that Quaid is still inside his own head. But like the the, the blue sky of Mars ring, it's like the happy ending, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. the evil has been washed away. Yeah, uh, and, and I think it's meant to be away. like the blue sky. Yeah. yeah, I think it's meant to be sort of like um, not foreshadowing, but I think it's meant to be like a hint that Mars's future is bright. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the people w- will f- thrive because like the evil's been dis- you know vanquished and all this stuff. But yeah, like. I think, in my opinion, I think that was just added as just like a big like middle finger to say, "Ha ha, this is just going to confuse you." Yeah, you know, it's, like the, think, it's like it's like the, the unicorn. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the <laughs> yeah, like you know, origami, unicorn, yeah, origami, like, Blade Runner. The movie didn't have to be this um, cognizant, you know. It didn't have to be that. Um, self-aware you know like but but it is it, it is a clever like plot and, and it is like a good setting because you you were left after watching it you were left thinking well did any of what i just watched happen you know it's like um it's like inception where nola more mind fucks you by basically having the um what's it called again oh the, the spinning the, top the spinning top yeah 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 it's exactly like that you see it like flicker a little bit, but you're thinking, you know, like, but is it a dream? Like, oh, it, it, it's it's good. Yeah, I, I don't think well, it's well, as um... spinning tops. It's the idea that it's still going implies that it's, it's a it's a dream. Yeah, and if it Perception. stops, it's reality. Right. Okay. Right. I think it's like basic physics, like don't work in dreams. Whereas, like, due to stuff like you know entropy and like uh, loss of energy to the environment. In reality, the spinning top will eventually lose the energy and right. Okay, stop. if, if we yeah. talk about actual physics, doesn't work in dreams. Then yeah, a lot of stuff happens in this film that implies that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of physics does work, yeah. isn't it? I, I think it's like physics will only apply in dreams if you're aware of them. You know, so like, um, but it's more like if you create them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like so. It's like this. Like, um, if you're aware of. Say if, like, um, you see today on the news something about um, massive solar flare activity. In your mind, then, when you dream, that can apply in your dreams. There would be, like, some aspect of that knowledge applying yeah. in your dreams. Whereas before, your dreams would have been innocent of that. You know, you, you it would never have crossed your mind. Because why, why would it? Whereas in your dreams, if you're standing on solid ground, why is that? Because... Not because you're aware of gravity, but because you you take that for granted. Like yeah. in in your dreams, you're not breathing oxygen because it's not real. You're not breathing no, anything, no, but you no. breathe in your dreams because you take breathing for granted, right? Yeah, and, it's, and, it's an instinct as well. Yeah, like it's an instinct. Breathing, yeah, like, you don't like you don't have a dreaming, dream unless you have a dream where, well, like even if you like have a dream like oh I'm in space, you still could be like breathing even though there's no air in space yeah right i think i think that's that's more to do with our uh we as humans um de- delving into fantasy like we can we can experience that because we we can we can imagine what it'd be like to live in those kind of situations and and that's totally sort of like co- um converse to what i was just saying but i think if your mind is sort of like willing to you can you can suspend belief 
Yeah. Because that's what our stories are, right? Our myths and legends. You suspend belief just for a moment and you can believe in anything. You know, dragons, lightsabers, uh, I don't know, like animus machines where you can relive your ancestors' memories. Um, You know, blue skies on Mars. Anything. If you suspend your belief. And and that's why I think um, you can't prove... uh, as a definitive whether or not quaid is in a dream but dreams also the fact that dreams always have like a background to it like for example if i'm dreaming about something it's cause of something i'm dealing with do you yeah. Get what I mean? yeah you've like, experienced example, or like, seen yeah yeah so example maybe i can have a dream of uh doing really bad in um like failing a job because or like getting fired from a job because they're that paranoia that I wouldn't be that I wouldn't be that good in a job. I might struggle in a job and I will get fired. There's a background for it. Now the dream with Quaid, it was obviously part of it. Also, they insert him with the idea of like secret agent. Yeah, yeah. But and also it comes to the fact that maybe he's like a, obviously a sleeper agent. But if you take that out of the that out of the way. Before in the film, he doesn't have any kind of like idea of like, oh, having dreams of being a spy. Like, because in the actual dreams he's having in the beginning of the film, he's just like uh, an astral on Mars. Yeah. There's no kind of I, like, imagine the film began and Quaid was having a dream where he, um, he like saved this woman and he was fighting this bad guy and he had like a, you know, he had like, um, he found bad guys and like typical secret agent stuff. Like, Imagine it like a beginning of a, a Bond film where Bond would be doing some like a, a beginning before the, the opening titles come in. Bond is like doing some spy work and he fights like a bunch of bad guys and escapes. Yeah. Mm. And then yeah. imagine putting that in the beginning to a recall and then and then and then having wake up and he's like, oh, it was a dream. But then he brings that into the idea about like, oh, I want to be a secret agent on Mars. Because yeah. he's like, that's what he had a dream before that. I find it very strange where he says, oh, I want to be a secret agent on Mars. Unless the instinct he is a secret agent. No, secret agent, yeah. Unless the instinct that he is actually a sleeper agent. Or the idea about like, oh, secret agent on Mars. Which I find very strange when the dream at the beginning of the film is not has got nothing to do with anything secret agency as well it's just him as an astronaut now that could be there do i feel like having like a, maybe a beginning of the, a dream sequence at the beginning of the film which quaid wakes up from having that be a dream where he's doing some like you know action fighting and stuff and obviously bring in um bring in uh melina into it as well kind of uh, goes idea that he he you know he could have a dream of being a, a, a spy or it could also be a dream of of he's having because he's actually a sleeper agent and it's a background context to it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I know it's a bit of a mindfuck as it's given you just now, <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying it's a background because I feel like um, dreams usually need to have some background into it. I feel like you go into, if you're having a dream, there's always a background into, into it. Like I don't dream about something really random. There's always like something a background into it, yeah. Um, and obviously the idea of stress as well, like and all that. Like 
And the idea of blue sky on Mars, which was said by the technician before, could maybe be something that like um, Douglas Quaid remembers and he and he's stuck in his head. But the yeah. whole spy thing, he's not really interested in until um, obviously the person, obviously the doctor says, oh, a secret agent on Mars. And he's interested in it. Now, if you take away that he's a sleeper agent and the idea that like he is not, Carl Harder doesn't exist, yeah, yeah, in reality, and he's just Douglas Quaid, why would he want to choose the secret agent route? Oh, because it's interesting, like, because it's a secret agent, which could, could, could come down to that. Yeah. But do you, get, do you get what I mean? Like, uh, mm. do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think like there's a definitive way of like proving whether or not he is experiencing like reality. Because I don't know. I, I just like it as like this this idea of like Quaid, right? Despite being Arnie, so being like this this buff like Olympian sized man, anybody could be Quaid. You know, he's meant to be like the sort of everyman. Uh, like idea that he's dissatisfied with his life, you know, he's unhappy with his wife, maybe his friends, you know. He... So he go- goes to recall, and he lives like the idea of like the perfect life. Yeah, but I, right. but um, yeah, carry on saying. Oh no, it's uh, right. It's right. I was just like, you know, like this idea that um, you know, he, I, 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 I do think that you know he's sort of like subconsciously doesn't like anybody involved in his life so as a result when he goes in his fantasy is to get rid of everything you know (laughs) not even his wife like yeah yeah like that's why she turns against him i think but because she doesn't want to go to mars with him yeah i I, I do like the idea that like you know she was lying from the get-go i I like that you know like how She, you know, he was like this secret agent already, and like she's just pretending to like him. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's really funny, you know. And but it's also like the idea, like the femme fatale within uh, spy uh, literature and, and yeah, movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Sharon Stone is uh, well, a femme fatale is uh, an understatement. She <laughs> she's a definitive femme fatale, isn't she? <laughs> she is. <laughs> <laughs> um whilst you're talking i found like this article about um it's uh, it, paul verhoven finally explains the end until recall so uh yeah so let's let's, uh, let's just talk about this um so till recall never explicitly state, tells the audience it's a dream or that it's a reality and so the debate has raged on for years some folks think it's real. Other thinks it's a dream. An interview with filmmaker Paul Verhoeven about his new movie, L. We talked to the filmmaker about the issues and found out the truth. And may not be satisfied. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, this is what he says. Total Recall doesn't say whether it's a reality or is it a dream, you know. It's really saying there's this reality and there's that reality. And both exist at the same time. Hmm. Paul Verhoeven explained in the Canadian hotel room. Uh, but the day before, the day after the film screen a, t- a tiff, because you look at Tell Recall, there is never a preference. Let's say taken by me or the scriptwriter to say this is really what he dreams about and this is the truth, 
I wanted it to be that way because I felt that it was, if you want to use a very big word, postmodern. I feel, felt that basically I could not say this is true and this not true. I wanted, um, and I worked, I want, well, it's not true. I wanted, we worked with Gary Goldman, all that, not the original writers, and we worked very hard to make both consistent, that both would be true. And I think we succeeded very well. So I think, of course, there's no solution. Hey, it's both true. So I thought two realities that it was innovative in movie language at least and to a certain degree where there would be two realities and there was no choice. So, mm, now, yeah. so now he's basically getting rid of the idea of a dream and saying there's two realities. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could be, you know, this idea that even though like um, Quaid's fantasy from our view isn't real this that that reality in in some way does exist it's it's real for quaid okay yeah you know so so it could be like real from a certain point of view (laughs) to quote obi-wan kenobi but like it's too reality so would you say a dream you haven't is reality or is a dream it's kind of an explanation of it's a dream and actual reality. Yeah. I mean, personally, I would say that it's not, it's not real. No. Yeah. I'm just, I'm literally looking up a definition of dream. Let's <laughs> um, have a look. A series of thoughts, images, and sensations occur in a person's mind during sleep. Uh, that's, yeah, I'd explain dreams. All right, okay, so I'm talking about uh, how to to record your dreams. But, I mean, right, let's let's take about, like, dreams aren't reality. So we've got this one reality where he is uh, a super agent and he's on the run by the agency. Yeah. Which basically was all set up by Co... by uh, Cohagen for him to go and find the reb, the leader of the rebels and lead to his death. And then there's this other reality, which could be maybe him and maybe him. Uh, maybe he's been, yeah. he's been like programmed to find. Do you reckon the rebel, do you reckon he's a, what's the thing? Do you reckon he's a, a two sided spy? Like uh what's the word for, for a spy works on both sides? Oh, you mean like, um, uh, oh, a double agent. Yeah, directly double agent for the rebellion and for for you the have made time an ally of the rebellion. Do you, <laughs> do, do you reckon? Do you reckon he's obviously? Do you reckon Carl is is two realities? One reality is Carl, and he was obviously told to obviously kill the leader of the rebels, but then. Um. Programmed, career, but then he was also programmed through a different mindset, Douglas Quaid, to save Mars and save the people on Mars from, you know, obviously bring Brett, but you know, stop the Cohagen's totalitarian regime of Mars. And obviously, the idea of finding any artifact, which probably could be seen as like, like, you know, like a way of saving Mars or saving the people of Mars. 
but not sure what. And then, and that's basically, so he's been programmed to do two different things. One through Carl and one through Douglas. Uh, I mean, it could be. I, I just think that sort of Kohagen, you know, and like stuff like his go- uh, governorship and stuff is like, you know, maybe sort of like Quaid has like a, a bias against him. You know, he doesn't like his leadership. You know, like he, you know, he doesn't like him as a politician. But because of the effects of the fantasy, he turns that into like he's he's not like the the politician or the, the governor anymore. He's now this megalomaniacal like villain, you know, like James Bond villain. You know, I I just think that he. Because of the fantasy, he's been warped into a, a kind of, you know, like, like a cartoon character, a caricature of his actual being, you know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It could be... Uh... Ah, I got a new theory. All right, so he is obviously... He's not a super agent. Hmm. His mind has been warped by the rebels. Not mainly warped. His sections of his mind, his memories have been... Like obviously played with with by the rebels, so he has been he's basically Carl, but then they create this new identity for him through Quaid, yeah. Where he, uh, well, I, 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 okay, I, 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 I rephrase this. He has this. He's obviously Carl, and the the agency Cohagen have basically obviously put. Like him is like a secret um, sleeper agent, um, obviously Quaid, and obviously bring, gave him like Laurie Quaid as his pretend wife and stuff like that. But do you reckon also the rebels, maybe Melina, could have accessed him as his mind as well and put in these mem- these kind of glimpses of back his mind of her and Mars? Of the of her especially as kind of like a reminder, or kind of like this idea of this is his other task to do as well, the idea of a double agent. So, and knowingly then that really forps his, the the procedure in re, the recall facility forps his mind, where he unknowingly brings about his the Carl's uh, plot. Um, obviously, his Carl's uh, mission, but also kind of follow Melina's mission as well, the rebels' mission as well. Yeah. Being that being to save Mars and help the rebels. Now, my my theory could have a lot of plot holes into it as well, as the film goes on. But that's what maybe that's a good idea. Why I think, but like he's he's also his mind is really messed up because two two different groups of people have been. Tamp, you know, obviously tampering with it, and the idea that the dreams he's having at the beginning are like a not like a wake up call, but like a, like a reminder in his head. And oh, the idea like when you when you're having dreams, you go to these the weirdest sections of your mind where you never really go to when you're awake, and that's what I think it is. He's able to tap into those 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 uh obviously those these visual visions of um, these depictions of Melina on Mars because he's gone really far, because he only when he's dreaming 
when he goes further back and then when he, when he's in the back of his mind but then when he goes to recall he, he those open up more to him plus but also those conflict with his is the his memories his main mission as hauser now yeah. i don't know if you followed all that uh if you if i made any sense but that's basically one of my theories now i just created during this podcast as we were talking about it right um which which plays out maybe is not a dream it's reality yeah i mean again like i'm uncertain as to what i really think went on you know i think that's the idea really it's like you're meant to just well just go over in your mind and just like consider all the possibilities but right so if you as a concrete conclusion what do you think is it is it is it a dream a reality or a both or two realities as Verhoeven uh, stated. Um, I mean, obviously the director, like if, if he's, if he has his own idea, then that's what the concrete, you know, plan of the story was in making it and releasing it. But I don't know, like from, from my view, and I just think that he was a fantasy, but, but then again, I think it was, it's not, it, sorry, it's not like meant to be taken as a literal fantasy. It's meant to be, no, um, no. It's meant to be the everyman's dream of living out his fantasy, and and the idea of living in a dystopia where that can be achieved, but at the expense of, um, of living your real life. You know, it's like, it's it, of the reject the rejection of accepting that life is not a fantasy. So. Let's just say there's like let's pretend let's make up like in our imagination right. there's like a, uh, a like a in like a post credit scene or something like another <laughs> okay. scene added to the ending where Quaid wakes up and then his wife is there, Melina's not there, um, you know, Doctor Egmar is there, Cohagen's still there. That would then say it's a dream. Because the way it ends can give you the impression it is a dream. Yeah. Does he? Or reality. D- does Quaid wake up and they're all surrounded by the bed and he goes, I just had a weird dream and you were there <laughs> and you were there and you. <laughs> That's some Futurama in it. Well, it's from uh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's been parodied fu- like so many no, times. Yeah, yeah. I remember from Futurama. I watched Wizard of Oz in years. So. Uh... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all right. I mean, I don't think The Wizard of Oz is a great film. I just think that it's a classic film. Time you know? to wake. Time to wake up. Quaid. Quaid wakes up. It's like, oh, my wife's still here. So it must be all must all be a dream. And it's like the idea of now. Oh, I've actually gone to Mars. So we'd, I'd have to keep hassling you about wanting to go to Mars. <laughs> you go to Mars in your dreams. Like mm. you know, it's not the real reality, but it's some sort of yeah. You know, whatever you want to call it, a dream. Yeah. It's not reality, but it's like a dream. I, did, I just thought of a really, like, dark, like, a very dystopian sort of ideal. Uh, sorry, idea of um, of how this could be real and a dream. Like, okay. I think, like, Quaid was 
a secret agent against the state, against Cohagen. But he was like, do you know, I, have you read like 1984? Like he was li- like um, how, what's his name? Winston was, yeah. um, was re-indoctrinated and, yeah. and, put, and yeah. put back into society. Yeah. He, he was given this sort of, um, this idea that he was like, you know, you know, he, he was an enemy of the state, but now he's conformed. And as a result, he's still got these lingering feelings for, you know, not like rebelling anymore, but sort of, uh, you know, it's been t- warped into a fantasy now. And maybe, you know, he has, you know, g- maybe he's been given this fantasy by recall. So so it is like similar to what like the film gives off in that, oh, he's been, the, these memories have been uh, buried in his subconscious but i think it's he's still like conforming he thinks he's living a fantasy so as a result he's still like he's still being a good citizen but he's not rebelling against the state anymore right okay yeah yeah so he is in a dream but he but he you know right three wheel he is in a dream but he was a spy before but like, right? Okay. It, 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 he, the, the state would rather him live out the fantasy of him being an enemy of the state than him actually being an enemy. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So a... again, I don't think this is like what the director or any of the writers had in mind. But I think that's a, that's a nice little um, dystopian vision of how this society deals with um, outliers. Oh, a bit, bit of Westworld lore there. Uh, or like it deals with enemies, it turns them into like these fantasy junkies in a way. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I like I like that. It's probably better than my theory. <laughs> oh no, I don't know. It's a bit <laughs> it's a bit like far fetched to, to, to say the least. I mean, I think like, like if you want to make a theory about the Recall, there's going to be some like plot holes in it anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. Of the film, like I mean, it's meant to be like this popcorn sort of film. You know, it's not meant to yeah. be the most. Uh, no philosophizing of uh no 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 it's not uh it's not like inception where (laughs) well you said inception is more philosophical than i'll say till recall oh god yeah 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 um so would you say at the end of it would you say it's like would you go through this your theory of what it is supposed to be is that your is that like two realities for you yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's like they can they can comfortably live, you know, like like, like they, they can be two realities simultaneously, and they could exist comfortably beside each other. So you're basically saying that the states implanted fake fancy fake memories into yeah Quaid's head yeah right, and okay. and the state sponsors recall to to um to target like former enemies of the state to keep them docile. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely some 984, yeah. uh, you know, vibe in there. And that explains why like Quaid is, is like the imposing figure that he is. Yeah. You know, bit of little fan fiction for you. <laughs> but you know, the, um, obviously the literature, the book that it's uh, the sort of story it's based on. We can remember way it different. Wholesale. <laughs> wholesale. What would you say? Like wholesale. 
Um, it's like wholesale means like, like fully, hundred percent, like whole. Let me just Google that real quick. Uh, I think I think it's re- referred to like wholesale. Let me just have a look. One moment. So wholesale means the business of selling of goods in large quantities and at low prices, typically to be sold on by retailers at profit. So yeah, like be cool. Selling you a quality product for um a, you know a bargain price. Right. Yeah. You you can definitely tell the plot is very different to it was in. Yeah. Yeah. There's like the little Martian rodents and that. Right. Okay. Apparently, it's like Quaid was such a nice person that he stopped uh, aliens from taking over or something. (laughs) From what I read. But you got to think like these were like short stories. They weren't meant to be like. Yeah. No. Yeah. They were meant to be case studies of like you know like of societal ideas and, and oh, how I like in um the night april 1966 issue of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction yeah yeah, Which yeah and obviously like if they're published in a magazine like they've got like um published uh publishing like guides and like you can only like publish so many you know hundreds of words um you know they they can't be that long. Maybe like they're vetted, so like oh you yeah. we we don't like the idea you're putting across for you, so you'll have to change that. You know, so it's it's going to be different. Before we uh, wrap things up, uh, uh, do you know much about this apparently sequel they're going to make to the film? To the 1990 film. Yeah. No. So um, a sequel's written. Uh, titles Total Recall Two <laughs> with Arnie. With Douglas Quay coming back, played by Arnie, he's now working as a reformed law enforcer. The sequel is based on the Philip K. Dick short story, The Minority Report. Ah, right. So, Um, is that anything to do with Steven Spielberg's The Minority Report? Right, so, um, yeah, so there's a future where crime can be solved before it's committed. In the movie, the clairvoyance would be Martian mutants. Ah, of course. (laughs) Uh... So it was not filmed, but the script survived and it was changed drastically and contained greater elements from the original short story and it eventually adapted into the Steven Spielberg sci-fi thriller Minority Report. Yeah, which Tom Cruise. In 2002. Oh, I never knew that. I yeah. mean, that's cool if they like... It's kind of like a... Um, it's like, oh, let's make like a bunch of... Um, of adaption of Fabric Dick short stories, but yeah, that'd be great. Been, uh, yeah, I think it would have worked to be honest, but like, I, I, I think it would have worked. Like, well, I mean, that's ripe for like some anthology series on like a streaming yeah. platform, right? Yeah, right. If any like streaming platform would like that idea, I want to refer as fee because I just well, thought it, that it, idea. It, it would be better than Fib K Dick's um, Electric what's, Dreams. What's Electric Dreams. That was terrible. Which, that was awful, yeah. Yeah, I like I like the first episode, and that's about it. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Like the next one could be like a different. There's a lot of Philip K. Dick stuff that's not been adapted yeah. yet. I mean, what has he's so, um... Philip K. Dick? Right? Did he write Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Or was yeah, that, he did. Because um... there's there's another sci-fi writer, right, who has like a similar name. Okay. 
Oh, was it? Right, uh, so we had Philip K. Dick. Uh, let's have a look. Right, um, I'll just go through the films quickly. With, uh, right. So, obviously, Blade Runner, based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. Total Recall, as we said before, recommember it for you wholesale. Confessions Done Bajor. Uh, it's non, it's based French film based on a non-science fiction novel, Confessions of a Crap Artist. <laughs> um then you've got Screamers, based on short stories, Second Variety, uh, Minority Report, Imposter, based on a 1953 story, Imposter, Paycheck, based on the the short story, Paycheck, uh, Blade Runner, of the 2049, um, Total Recall, Remake, Adjustment Bureau, Oh yeah, the, ju- no, the short film. story yeah. adjustment team. That's the one with like God and Christianity and Men in Black in it. Like, yeah, yeah, like the Men yeah. in Black. They can change um, reality and all that. A scanner darkly. Oh yeah, that's about uh, drugs. Well, yeah, yeah. So a next. Yeah, and a, a nice little bit of trivia. Do you know, the they actually Man. made yeah. a film, uh, a scanner darkly, with Keanu Reeves, and it was done with um, uh, what do they call it? Um. What's that like animation where like they draw over movie frames? Retroscoping? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that was called retroscoping. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. it's very trippy. <laughs> oh, I found out right. There was a sci-fi writer with a name similar to Philip K. Dick, Arthur C. Clarke, and he wrote um, like 2001: Space Odyssey and all that. So that's. Um, how is he similar? I thought you meant like he had like a similar name. I was like, yeah, it, it, you know, it was like Philip K. Dick and Arthur C. Clarke. You know, like they're both known by their full names and like their mid, their middle names, like an initial. I always that's get a, I always get them confused. That's a big thing with with lit, lit, you know authors like J.R. Tolkien, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, I thought you I thought you got on about this. Someone another oh, right. writer with a sec, with a last name called Dick. Oh yeah, Philip. L Dick. <laughs> Do you know some um, uh, fact? Dick is actually Richard. Whoa, it's a short name it? for Richard. Yeah, that's called something in language. It's like you know, so you have like what was it, William and Bill? You know, like yeah, it's shortened and they even changed the letter. No, oh, language is weird but lovely. <laughs> so Philip K. Richard. I, yeah, Richard. became short for Richard. Um. <laughs> Also, obviously, we must not forget about uh, Man of High Castle as well, oh, based yeah. on the uh, the. It was quite a small book, actually, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, I mean, the show kind of, I don't know, ran out of steam, should we say? You know, yeah, it was quite poor the ending, but yeah, it's a good idea. It's a, it's um, it's a very it's a very fascinating idea. You know, stuff like Fatherland and and all this stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know he died in eight, in nineteen eighty two. Did he? God, he isn't. Yeah. Well, he, he wasn't around. You got to think. Like, you got to think. He was one of the forerunners of science fiction writing. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't for men like him, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have Star Wars. You know, we uh, wouldn't uh, have like Star Trek. He was like one of the forerunners of uh, he, science fiction. He, he died from a stroke, and uh, he had another stroke in hospital, which led Jesus. to brain death. And he disconnected from life support and died. Jesus. Um, he died four, four months before the release of Blade Runner. All right. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think that's it now. We we talked about everything. Um, I mean, yeah, he, so I know I know he, he he's passed away, but his legacy lives on. For, you know, we're yeah, talking about yeah. movies inspired by his work. You know, I mean, his like concept and his idea of what the future is like and alter- alternative reality is very significant and yeah. very. And I mean, it's, it's almost work. coming to fruition as well. Like, Definitely. the stuff he envisioned is coming to, to life. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Um, I think we're done with talking to Recall. I mean, yeah. uh, anything else you want to say? Um, how about I Am You? No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Arnie and his one liners. Uh, what's the other one? He says, like, uh, see you at the party, Victor. It's like, oh, you got some oh, yeah. ball no, showing no, what's, you. What was the best one? Consider it a divorce. Yeah. You know, um, Dean Norris. <laughs> do, do you know Dean Norris's character? Yeah, goes, you yeah. got some. Was it? You got some nerve showing your face around you. He goes, like, what does he say? Like, oh, speak for yourself, or like, what does he say? Look who's talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cons- consider it a divorce, and if he beats up like his wife, <laughs> I can't believe that Asak Schrader from Breaking Bad is in this movie. Asax Schrader. Asax Schrader. Uh, great. An- another A-Sack good movie. Walt. Where's the meth? Well, who, who's, um, who's his wife again? Um, oh, Marie. They're, they're, Marie. They're minerals, Marie. <laughs> minerals. <laughs> God, doing that voice like really hurts my, th- my throat. It's like, it's like the Judge Dredd voice. I am the law. Minerals. <sighs> <laughs> all right um yeah um lando will we'll end it here yeah so thank you guys for listening um of course as we said at the beginning follow us on instagram at uh the hobby coffee cast and um click on our link uh well link tree um at the hobby coffee cast and all our platforms on there yeah, should um, us. you know yeah but a lot on there haven't we yeah uh, yeah um See if we can add some more. But uh, yeah, so um, we're finishing off November Cyberpunk uh, with Robocop next week. And then after that, we're going to be doing some Christmas stuff. And Yay. we're going to be doing a um, discussion of the great, I think probably the best Star Wars bit of uh, media, the holiday special. Oh, Not yeah. the upcoming holiday special. <laughs> Not I think the I Lego need... one. <laughs> no, I think I do need a couple of drinks while talking about it. Oh, so, that'd be uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do that. Yeah, well, very you, funny. You, you, you can't say no now because you just said yes on the, <laughs> on, the on the podcast. I can't, so. <laughs> I can't wait. I've, I, I've seen parts of it, but I've never watched it in full. You haven't watched the whole thing, right? No, no. No, I, you're watching the whole thing. I'm going like, to force I, myself to sit down and watch it. And, I watched and it gonna... once in, in, at the beginning, like years yeah. ago. I, I um, so this is like, well, I mean, I'll probably say this later on when we're actually going to watch it, but I've bought some like high percentage alcohol to watch it. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have a good time. <laughs> like, I picked up, literally, I got some like Aldi like Star Wars ale. Nice. And it's like citrus and it's yeah. really like not bad. Like... The problem is, it's, it's, it's so easy to drink. It doesn't have like the aftertaste. Oh, so nice. So it's like you're drinking like water. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think that's the problem. Sometimes you want to find like a nice taste in beer, which isn't like, uh, it isn't too tangy. But then uh, then again, you you don't want it to be like piss water. Yeah. You need to find like, strike a balance. Well, my problem is I, I drink, 
because I drink a lot of lager, I mean, when <laughs> yeah. I have a pint of lager, I go through it really quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like that point where you realize you're drinking alcohol and you're drinking it like water, you realize yeah. you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need a gulp in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> maybe because i was given maybe uh i might have been like having a whiskey dummy when Ooh. i was a baby <laughs> do you know what they are a whiskey dummy is it, is, it, is it whiskey dummy it's when like to calm you down your parents would give you alcohol oh yeah yeah have you heard of that i don't know if i had it was it whiskey or was it like brandy or something or uh, it's definitely like a spirit it's like brandy or yeah. it's whiskey they, they it's would like a little bit yeah. they put it on your dummy because then yeah. you like suck on it because i mean you gotta think oh, like God, the, the working class like they they wouldn't like t- mess around like they've got enough on their plate without like a baby screaming so they just give it booze to quiet them I mean, that was a nightmare as a child, as a baby, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so you wouldn't be surprised. I was going to say. Brilliant. <laughs> all, right, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see Well, we'll see you next week for a new episode of Robocop. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.